But if we could uh, this evening, with the Lord's help and the Lord's enabling, if we could turn back to that portion of scripture that we read. The gospel according to Luke chapter 23. Uh, Luke chapter 23. And if we read again at verse 39. Luke 23 and verse 39. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at Jesus saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, Do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. We said before that all of our gospel writers, especially Luke, they all encourage us to come to the place which is called Calvary. They all tell us to come to the place which is called Calvary because it was at Calvary that they crucified the Prince of Glory. And it's what took place at Calvary that as we know it changed the history of our world forever. And my longing is, especially for those of you who are unconverted, my longing is that, that it coming to the place which is called Calvary will have a tr- change and a transformation, and will cause a change and transformation in your life. Because the Bible reminds us so clearly that the only remedy for the curse of sin and death is the cross of Jesus Christ. The difference between eternal life and eternal death is the cross of Jesus Christ. The difference between being saved and being lost is the cross of Jesus Christ. The difference between an eternity in heaven with the Lord or an eternity in hell and torment is the cross of Jesus Christ. The cross makes all the difference. But as we said before, our gospel writers, they don't really dwell upon the physical suffering of Jesus on the cross. Instead they, they dwell on what Jesus had to say. On the cross. And as you know there are. Seven sayings which Jesus uttered from the cross. At Calvary. Now, last time a couple of months ago now. We considered the first saying. Which was a word of forgiveness. We read that earlier. Where Jesus said father forgive them. For they know not what they do. But the second saying of Jesus from the cross is a word of salvation. A word of salvation where Jesus says to the cross of the saint. He says, today you will be with me in paradise. And you know, this word of salvation is central to our salvation. And it's all because it came from the central cross at Calvary. Because as Luke affirms to us, Jesus was crucified between Two criminals, two malefactors. Therefore, this word of salvation is central because the cross of Jesus Christ is central. And tonight, as we come again to the place called Calvary, and as we witness in only a small measure of what took place, we see that on the threshold of eternity, there was this conversation between these three crosses. There was a conversation 
between the crosses. And I'd like us just to consider this conversation between these three crosses and listen in to what each cross had to say. Because in the conversation between the three crosses, there was, you could say, the cross of the sinner. Then there was the cross of the saint. And then in the middle, there was the cross of the saviour. There was a conversation between the three crosses, the cross of the sinner, the cross of the saint, and the cross of the saviour. And so if we look at each cross in turn. So first of all, the cross of the sinner. The cross of the sinner. And we see him speaking in verse 39. We're told that one of the criminals, the cross of the sinner, one of the criminals who were hanged railed at Jesus saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. You know, this conversation between three crosses at Calvary It was initiated by a word of blasphemy from the cross of the sinner being hurled towards the cross of the Savior. And you know, when you consider the cross of the sinner, when you consider him and his situation, it's hard to believe what he's saying. Because here are these three crosses, and upon these three crosses are three men who are hanging over the threshold of eternity. This is their last day on earth. They're not promised tomorrow. For each of them there was a time to be born. But this is now for each of them their time to die. And you know what a way to die. To die by crucifixion. Because as we said before in the act of crucifixion you didn't bleed to death. And it wasn't the pain of the nails. The six inch nails being driven through your hands and feet that killed you. It was the fact that you suffocated to death in your own blood. And yet... Even, through, even though the cross of the sinner, this sinner, even though he knows he's going to die in only a short time and he's on the threshold of eternity, even though he knows all that for himself, he's very aware that he's going to die and yet he doesn't take his last opportunity to seek the Lord. Instead, the cross of the sinner, we see that he remains a sinner and he dies in his sin. And it was all, the reason he died in his sin is because he opened his heart to all the delusions of this world. And he pursued all the the temporal enjoyments of this life. You know, my friend, you look at this cross, the cross of the sinner. And you look at him and you think, in the face of death, it's such a sad ending. There's no remorse. There's no repentance. There's no concern for his soul. There's no thought of eternity. Instead in his dying breath. The cross of the sinner. He seeks to join in with the crowd. He wants to join in with all those. Who are mocking Jesus. And hurling insults. Towards the middle cross. The cross of the saviour. And you know my friend. The cross of the sinner. He only hung a few feet from the cross of the saviour. He was only a few feet from Jesus. And yet you find him blaspheming all the way to the grave. You know our last living memory of this man. This is all we have of him. Our last living memory of him. Is that he cursed the son of God to his face. If you are the Christ. Save yourself and us. You know his statement not only shows the hardness of his heart. But also that he was a crowd pleaser. 
The cross of the sinner, he had listened to the voice of the world and lived for the approval of men. And I say that because when we look at what others said against Jesus, the cross of the sinner seems to just say the same thing. He seems to just follow the crowd. Luke tells us back in verse 35 that the Jewish rulers who were all gathered around the crosses at Calvary were told that the Jewish rulers, they scoffed at Jesus saying, he saved others, let him save himself if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. And then you have the Roman soldiers, they also join in, in hurling insults at Jesus. They come forward to mock Jesus and they say, if you are the king, They're pointing at the middle cross and saying, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. And now after hearing the Jewish rulers and hearing the Roman soldiers hurl insults at Jesus, the cross of the sinner joins in. He wants to add something to the conversation. And he mocks Jesus just like the others did. If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But you know what's interesting is that it seems that their mockery was all initiated by this inscription. The inscription that was written above the head of Jesus. Because we're told that the inscription read, this is the king of the Jews. And the other gospel writers tell us that that inscription was written in Greek, in Latin, and in Hebrew. And it seems that the Romans and the Jews and this criminal, they all hurled insults at Jesus Because they read Pilate's inscription in their own language. The Jewish rulers would have read the inscription, Pilate's inscription in Hebrew. The Roman soldiers would have read Pilate's inscription in Latin. The cross of the sinner. This dying thief would have read Pilate's inscription in Greek. And you know, what we're being reminded is that this inscription above the head of Jesus, it bore a message that was to be seen and read by all the crowd. The crowd at Calvary was to know who hung upon this central cross. But you know, the response of the crowd to the central cross at Calvary, their response, what you find with the crowd, is that they didn't bow down before the central cross. No, they sought to blaspheme the central cross. They sought to hurl insults at Jesus. And sadly for the cross of the sinner, with his dying breath on the threshold of eternity, he follows the crowd into hell. That's what he does. He follows the crowd into hell. He was close to Jesus, but not close enough. His heart was hard, And he followed the crowd all the way to hell. And you know my friend. It's a dangerous thing to follow the crowd. Especially a crowd that's leading you to hell. It's a dangerous thing to follow in the footsteps. Of those who hate Jesus. And mock Jesus. And ridicule Jesus. And blaspheme the name of Jesus. And will do anything to get rid of Jesus. It's a dangerous thing for you to live for the approval of men and listen to the voice of the world. A world that will tell you that God doesn't exist. Jesus isn't a savior and life, well, life has no real meaning at all. You know, my friend, it's a dangerous thing. It's a frightening thing to be led by the voice of the world and led into thinking that there's nothing after death. 
No one goes to hell. Everyone goes to heaven. And we all become bright shining stars in the sky. Looking down at everyone else. Oh my friend. It's a dangerous thing to live for the approval of others. And to listen to the voice of the world. And be led by the crowd. Into a lost eternity in hell. It's a dangerous thing. And you know when you look at the cross of the sinner. When you look at this cross. This man who died in his sin. You know the one question that should come to your mind when you look at him. Where is hell? Where is hell? Look at that man and and ask where is hell? Because for the cross of the sinner hell was at the end of a Christless life. That's where it was. For this man, hell was at the end of his life. A Christless life. And you you know, my unconverted friend, you make sure that you're not like this man was. You make sure that you're not living for the approval of others. You make sure that you're not listening to the voice of the world. You make sure that you're not following the crowd into hell. You make sure that you don't waste your last opportunity of salvation. Oh my friend, make sure. Make sure that you're not led to a lost eternity in hell. Because where is hell? You look at this man. And he will tell you tonight. Hell is at the end of a Christless life. Hell is at the end of a Christless life. But then we turn to this cross. The cross of the saint. The cross of the saint. What do we see at the cross of the saint? Look at verse 40. We're told that the other rebuked him. Saying, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Now, although it would only be speculation, but the cross of the saint could have been a friend of the cross of the sinner. They could have known one another. They could have worked together. They could have even shared a prison cell prior to their crucifixion. They could have been together in life. But, you know, there was going to be this great separation between them at death. And that was first evidenced by the fact that the cross of the saint, he rebukes the cross of the sinner. The cross of the saint rebukes the cross of the sinner for his blasphemy. He said, do you not fear God? Do you not fear God seeing you're under the same sentence of condemnation? Do you not care that you're about to die? Do you not realize that very shortly you're going to meet your maker? Do you not Fear God that you're under the same sentence of judgment. The cross of the saint, he rebukes the cross of the sinner for his blasphemy. And you know, my Christian friend, we should be ready to do the same. We should be ready to do the same. You know, far too often as Christians, we're more ready to listen to the voice of the world And live for the approval of others. And make sure that we're friends with everyone. And we're more interested in that. Than letting our light so shine before men. That they may see our good work. And glorify our father in heaven. 
You know, far too often we're more ready to receive blasphemy against Jesus than rebuke blasphemy against Jesus. But not so for the cross of the saint. He's no longer listening to the voice of the world. This is what's remarkable. Something's happened in his life in in these last few moments. He's no longer living for the approval of others. He doesn't want to follow this crowd. Grace is now working in his life. And even with his dying breath, he wants to stand up and speak out for Jesus. And you know, maybe for the cross of the saint, maybe it was the prospect of death that made him realize That being worried about what other people will say and what other people will think and what other people will act towards him. Maybe that's what made him realize that he needs to come out on the side of Christ. Maybe it was the prospect of death and eternity that made him realize that worrying about all these things can't add one single hour to his life. And you know with his dying breath the cross of the saint wants to stand up and speak out. For Jesus. Because the thing is, the cross of the saint, he knew that he was a sinner. Ironically, the cross of the sinner didn't think he was a sinner at all. He didn't think he was a hell deserving sinner. But the cross of the saint knew that he was a hell deserving sinner. In fact, he acknowledges, he acknowledges to the cross of the sinner, and he acknowledges to the cross of the Savior that he's a hell deserving sinner. Because he says that he's receiving what he deserves. We are receiving the due reward of our deeds. He knows that he deserves death. He knows that he deserves punishment in hell. He knows that because of his sins. He knows that he deserves torture in this life and torment in the next. But you know what's more is that the cross of the saint... He knows that the cross of the Savior is innocent. He knows that the one in the central cross is completely innocent. He says in verse 41, We indeed justly, for we are receiving the due rewards of our deed. But this man has done nothing wrong. Now at this point, the cross of the saint doesn't refer to Jesus by his name. He doesn't call him Lord. He just says, this man. This man hath done nothing amiss. And it's evident that the cross of the saint, he's becoming wise to salvation. Because he's learning more and more about the cross of the Savior. He's learning about who this man really is. Of course, the cross of the saint would have heard all about the cross of the Savior. He would have heard about this miracle worker from Galilee who had cleansed lepers and and healed the sick and raised the dead. He would have also heard about Jesus' public trial and how Pilate had tried to get Jesus off the hook, not once, not twice, but three times. He would have also known that this man was innocent, not deserving of death. He would have discovered that Jesus was even the most loving man who ever lived because Even moments earlier, he had heard Jesus praying for those who had crucified him. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And you know, it must have been on hearing those words that the cross of the saint, his heart must have melted. He 
hearing that hearing the God of heaven, the judge of all the earth, hearing that he's willing to forgive even the vilest of sinners. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Those words, you know, they must have convinced the cross of the saint that this man, this man in the middle, he must have done nothing wrong. This man have done nothing amiss. And you know, my friend, in many ways, I believe that you're similar to the cross of the saint. Because like the cross of the saint, this man here, you fear God. You now respect the things of God. You respect Jesus and the church and the Bible and other Christians. And you know that you're a hell-deserving sinner. If I was to ask you tonight, are you a hell-deserving sinner? You'd probably say yes. And you know that Jesus is a sinless saviour. My friend, you know that this Jesus is the most loving and forgiving man who ever lived. You also know that his love for you and his willingness to forgive you is demonstrated to you in the fact that he hung upon that central cross. My friend, you know that this Jesus is able to change your punishment into paradise. You know all this. But unlike the cross of the saint, you seem to do nothing about it. You do absolutely nothing with what you hear. You go from week to week, month to month, year to year in the same condition. And the reality is you're actually like the cross of the sinner. But you're, more, you're as knowledgeable as the cross of the saint. You know, this dying thief, the cross of the saint, he gives to you a prayer that you can echo from your own heart and claim for yourself. Because he says in verse 42, he said to Jesus, to the central cross, he says, Lord Jesus, remember me, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And you know, my friend, these words from the cross of the saint, those words are the words that made this sinner a saint. They are the words that converted this man. That prayer of repentance and seeking the Lord. But you know there's more because the cross of the saint. He not only prays here. He's also professing. He professes his faith. He professes that Jesus is Lord. Jesus and Jesus is gracious and merciful. He, pray, he professes. He says, he says Lord Jesus. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. They're the words that changed his life and gave to him eternal life. And you know, it wasn't a long prayer. It wasn't an eloquent prayer. But it was a heartfelt and wholehearted prayer. Lord Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And as I said, they're not only, it's not only a prayer, but also a profession of his faith. He professes that Jesus is Lord. Lord Jesus, remember me. He professes, prays and professes that, that Jesus is gracious. Remember me. He's asking that Jesus would be gracious to him and merciful towards him. But there's more because the cross of the saint, he not only prays that Jesus is Lord and Jesus is gracious and merciful, he also says that Jesus is king. He's king over his life. 
Lord Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And you know, my friend, that was faith speaking. Jesus, as you know, he would have looked nothing like a Lord, nothing like a king. He was marred beyond recognition. He was nailed hand and foot to a cross. He had a crown of thorns pressed into his head. And, but whatever the world had to say about this Jesus, the cross of the saint, he knew that there was something different about him. And there was something which drew him to Jesus. There was something which caused him to stand up and speak out for the cross of the Savior. There was something which caused the cross of the saint to pray and profess that the cross of the Savior was his Lord and his King. And you know, my friend, when are you going to do that? When are you going to pray and profess the cross of the Savior as your Lord and as your King? Because listen in to how the cross of the Saviour responds to those who pray and profess his name. Listen in to what the cross of the Saviour says to those who acknowledge their sin and affirm Jesus as their Lord and King. That's what I want us to consider lastly. The cross of the Saviour. The central cross. Because in this conversation between the three crosses, these three people on the threshold of eternity, there's the cross of the sinner, the cross of the saint, and then the central cross, the cross of the Savior. The cross of the Savior, what does he say? Verse 43. He said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. I'm sure that when the cross of the saint I'm sure that when he confessed Jesus as his saviour and his Lord and his king, I'm sure that the cross of the saint wondered how Jesus would respond to him. Because the cross of the saint, he had come to, to discover that he didn't deserve grace. He didn't deserve to be shown mercy. He didn't deserve forgiveness. But that's what salvation is, isn't it? Grace is receiving what you don't deserve. Mercy is not receiving what you do deserve. And forgiveness is your slate being wiped clean. And even though the cross of the saint, even though he may have wondered how Jesus would respond to his request, the response he received was better than he could have ever imagined. Today you will be with me in paradise. And you know, my friend, you may wonder how Jesus will respond to your request for salvation. Maybe you're asking the Lord to save you. Maybe you're asking the Lord to remember you and not to forget you. Maybe you're asking because you know that you don't deserve grace, you don't deserve mercy, you don't deserve his forgiveness. But you know, the wonder of the cross of the Savior is that when you pray and when you profess Jesus as your Lord and King, you're given a word of salvation. And a word of assurance. And you know it really is a word of assurance. If you lack assurance tonight. Jesus Christ is your assurance. And the word of assurance he gives to you. Is the same word. He gave to the cross of the saint. Truly 
today you will be with me in paradise. And you know, that word truly, it's very important. It's a word full of assurance. A word full of assurance because Jesus is responding to the cross of the saint. The cross of the Savior is saying to the cross of the saint, truly, merrily, assuredly, assuredly, I say to you today, today you will be with me in paradise. And you know, what a promise. What a promise that the cross of the saint, he had reached his last day in this world. He had reached his last few moments in life. He had reached his last few breaths in his lungs. He had reached his last opportunity for salvation. And on the threshold of eternity, he asks Jesus to have mercy on him. He asks Jesus to be gracious to him. He asks Jesus to forgive him. And then he's given the assurance, today. Today you will be with me in paradise. And let's be clear here. The, the cross of the saint. He wasn't told today you'll be with me in purgatory. He wasn't told today you'll be with me in the intermediate state. No, the cross of the saviour. Gave to this man. Hanging on the threshold of eternity. Gave to him the promise. That when he closes his eyes on this world. He will open them in paradise. Today you will be with me. In paradise. And you know what I love about this promise of assurance. Is that the word paradise. In Hebrew it means garden. Therefore what the cross of the Savior. What Jesus was saying to this saint. Was today you will walk with me in the garden. Death will not win the victory. Sin will not overcome you. The grave will not leave its sting upon you. Today, today you will walk with me in the garden, in the new Eden of heaven. Today you will be with me in paradise. And you know, my friend, that's the hope of the Christian. That's the hope of someone who turns to Jesus seeking salvation. In fact, those words that Jesus says here in verse 43... It's those words that our catechism bases the question, what benefits do believers receive from Christ at their death? And I'm sure you know the catechism. The souls of believers are at their death made perfect in holiness and do immediately pass into glory. And their bodies still being united to Christ do rest in their graves until the resurrection. My friend, that's the hope of the gospel. But is that your hope? Is that your assurance? Is that where you stand tonight? Because you know, this word of salvation has been held out to you once more. And the fact that it's been held out to you ought to remind you that you're not beyond hope and you're not beyond, beyond salvation. You're not beyond redemption. You're not a lost cause. Because like it was for the cross of the saint, the hope of the gospel will be held out to you until your last breath. You're still on mercy's ground tonight. This is the wonder of it. You're still on mercy's ground. 
And my friend, even the 11th hour of your life is still an hour of opportunity. So tonight is a night of opportunity. It might be your last opportunity, but it's still an opportunity. So don't waste this opportunity. But you know, you look at this man and it was a deathbed conversion. He was converted at the 11th hour. And what I want to say to you about that is deathbed conversions don't happen often. They're just like dramatic conversions, which are few and far between. Of course, they're given to us in the Bible to prove that they do happen, but they don't happen often. And you know, it was J.C. Ryle, my favorite commentator. He said in relation to this passage, he said, few are ever saved on their deathbeds. One thief on the cross was saved that none should despair. But only one that none should presume. Which is why, you know, it's better for you, my friend, not to wait until your deathbed to come to Christ. But to come now. And to come today. Come today. Because now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. And as the Bible says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Come now. Come today. And so when we come to this place which is called Calvary, we hear a conversation between three crosses. There was the cross of the sinner, the cross of the saint, and in the center there was the cross of the Savior. And as you know, my friend, the cross of the Savior is what made the difference between the cross of the sinner and the cross of the saint. Because both the cross of the sinner and the cross of the saint, they hung only feet from the cross of the Savior. Both of them were on the threshold of eternity. Both of them needed forgiveness. Both of them had the same offer of salvation held out to them. But one scorned Jesus. The other sought Jesus. One blasphemed Jesus. The other begged Jesus for mercy. One rejected Jesus. The other simply said, Lord Jesus, remember me. My friend, the cross of the Savior was the difference between the cross of the sinner and the cross of the saint. The cross of the Savior was the difference between eternal death and eternal life. The cross of the Savior was the difference between lost for all eternity or saved for all eternity. The cross of the Savior was the difference between punishment or paradise. The cross of the Savior was the difference between heaven and hell. My friend, the cross of the Savior made all the difference. But the question for you tonight is, what difference is the cross of the Savior making in your life? What difference 
is the cross of the Savior making in your life. May the Lord bless these thoughts to us. And let us pray. O Lord, our gracious God, we give thanks to Thee for the cross of the Saviour. We marvel, Lord, that even on the threshold of eternity that we are able to be saved. That as Thy Word reminds us and even as one of old who said that from the stirrup to the ground mercy sought, mercy found. And Lord, we pray that even if we've reached the eleventh hour of our life, that none of us would be out of Christ, but that we would all be closing in with him, that we would know the promise that today you will be with me in paradise. O Lord, we ask that each and every one of us, that we would meet in Emmanuel's land on the last day, that we would be found in Christ, washed in his blood, clothed in his righteousness, made like him, and seeing his face and walking before him. Lord, bless us then, we pray. Bless thy truth to us. O Lord, speak to us, we pray, that thy spirit would impress thy word upon our heart, that we might be able to even hide it there, that we may not sin against thee. Cleanse us then, we pray. Take away our iniquity. Receive us graciously, for Jesus' sake. Amen. We're going to bring our time to a conclusion by singing the words of Psalm 25. Psalm 25 in the Scottish Psalter, page 231. Psalm 25. We're singing from verse 4 down to the verse mark 10. Show me thy ways, O Lord, thy path, so teach thou me. And do thou lead me in thy truth, therein my teacher be. For thou art God that does to me salvation send. And I upon thee all the day, expecting, do attend. We'll sing on down to the verse mark 10, to God's praise.
Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forevermore. Amen.